Hello team, and I have to give a shout out to the new one and only HREFs who are now the sponsor of the Confessions of a B2B Marketer podcast. It's one of the websites I open every morning when I do my focus work to grow fame and BCAR. So what I want you to do is go to hrefs.com, find their webmaster tools. It's completely free. It does three things for you. It's going to monitor the SEO health of your site. It's going to tell you when you get backlinks and it's going to tell you which keywords are bringing you traffic. Again, 100% free. Any B2B marketer must have this in their marketing arsenal. So go and do that now. hrest.com forward slash webmaster dash tools. The beauty about LinkedIn compared to Outbound is that on LinkedIn, you can do the same thing or same amount of work every day. The longer you do it, the bigger impact it makes. But with Outbound, if you want to increase the impact, you need to increase the input and you need to increase the volume, right? Jakob, welcome. Hey, Tom. Good to be here. So we have been chatting on LinkedIn for a while. I've also, I'm very aware of your business because I know Mark, your co-founder. Yes. So for the audience, his benefit, Jakob has a company called Speak on Podcast, which Let's face it, it's a perfect name for SEO. Was that part of the decision? We actually came up with, with the name. The idea was to <laughs> really make it self-explanatory. Mm, be very clear. There are a lot of smart names that our competitors use that really don't tell you anything. And speaking podcasts actually tell you exactly what you'll be getting. But yes, it helps SEO as well. <laughs> for sure. Like, cause I'm just going to Google speak on podcasts right now. And... I wonder if we have any competitors bidding on you. No, not in the UK anyway. Obviously, you come number one. That's awesome. Yeah. Usually, there are some people who are bidding on our... our... Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the thing, right? Do you like reach out to them and tell them to like... Are we that good that they're bidding on our brand name? Or do they bid on speaking on podcast, which is like a keyword, like a phrase? You know? <laughs> yeah. Here's the problem, because you can't really go and have a go at someone for that and tell them to stop mm-hmm. if it's just like a natural keyword. So that's maybe a downside. But anyway, so what I want to cover today is like you're obviously an expert at getting people booked on shows. So I want to cover that because that is something that I've been doing. So I want to dig into that. And I also want to understand more about your approach to getting clients for Speak on Podcast because I see both you and Mark smashing LinkedIn. So I want to dig into that. How does that sound? Sure. It sounds awesome. Cool. Happy to, happy to provide some insights here. So let me just run through kind of what I've been doing. We'll talk a little bit about the process, the outreach, and then the results. And you can tell me if I'm on the right track. Sure. So the basic, it, like a bit of background fame, we've been running like, I would say, capture demand strategies really up until now, the 1 million AR point, which is just Google basically organic and Google paid. And so then in the last, since March, I'm like, well, let's try to do a bit more like it's called create demand. And so there's four work streams, I think. There's, we have a SaaS marketer community of like Facebook group and email list. And then we have, I've been doing personal LinkedIn prof- posting. Thanks for all your support in the comments. There's a podcast guesting. And then there's probably one more that I've completely forgot. Let me just get it up. Is, oh yeah, this podcast. Okay, so four things. Right. So part of the create demand is podcast guesting. And so what I've been doing is working out ways to find relevant podcasts, typically just B2B marketing reaching out with what I think is quite a compelling message where I basically say, hey, I heard your episode with X on your show because the way I've been finding is by searching people that are like similar to me on a site called Owltale. And then, so I can say, I heard Rand's episode on your show, thought it was great. Would you consider another guest? 
Next, I'm like, to ensure it's one of your most downloaded episodes, we are going to do X and Y, which is typically spend $50 of our own budget on Facebook ads and also add you into some blog posts of top B2B marketing podcasts on our hosting site domain. And then it's like, let me know if it makes sense to chat. So I'll just run through everything I've been doing, then you can give me the feedback. Sure. So we reach out to about 10 per week, maybe. Okay. And I'm roughly recording one per week. And the topics vary from like entrepreneur stuff to marketing stuff to podcast stuff. And then we release them. Some of them I actually put the interviews onto this feed. And then I do all the promotions. I share on LinkedIn and then I will do the Facebook ads and we'll do the promotion that we promised them, basically. And the reason I chose this to be one of the create demand strategies is that I know we've got, I think it's one or two clients that have just heard me on other shows that I didn't do as part of a strategy that just happened. And they were like, heard of you because I heard you being interviewed on a guy called, guy called Aaron. He has a podcast called SAS something. And so that's basically it. Like high level, how do you think we're doing? Like any tweaks? Well, if you're sending 10 emails per week and you're speaking on one podcast, one podcast per week, it's actually really good numbers considering that you are probably doing podcast, podcast outreach for the first time. Is it consistent? Like for how long are you doing this? Probably since the start of May. Actually, I'm going to, we're going to find out right now. I've got it in the tracker. Okay. And maybe this number is slightly off. Uh, yeah, I think that's just about right. And so we did the first outreach back in, I actually don't have the dates, but yeah, it, actually start of April. Okay. So that has been nearly three months. And yeah, those numbers are about correct, like roughly. Yeah, it sounds about right. Like for your audience, it's important to understand couple of main bottlenecks in podcast booking process. First, you send the outreach and you're waiting for the podcasters to get back to you. It can be on the same day, but sometimes we wait for, for three weeks, for one month, maybe even two months. And usually the bigger the show, the longer you wait. Because from talking to podcast hosts, they like to set a time once every two weeks, once a month to go through all the guest pitches they receive and then just filter out the ones that are that are relevant. So that's the first button, like waiting for the host to get back to you. Then you need to, of course, find a slot in the calendar. So you started in the end of April. Now you're recording one episode a week. It sounds about right because usually it's one month plus that scheduling time. And then obviously when the episode goes live, because it can range again from a couple of days to a couple of months. So it's good that you, you actually went into this with the mindset that, okay, it takes time and I'm okay with that. And you know that there will be like, delayed effect of the actions that you are taking today. But I would like to break down some numbers, like when it comes to, or maybe some areas of, of the outreach of your campaign. So can you once again, describe your ideal audience? Like who is that best listener that should hear you on a podcast? Head of marketing, B2B SaaS company with 76 employees based in the US. Okay. What are the topics that you can talk about? Podcasting, marketing, entrepreneurship. Those are the titles of the topics or do you have more compelling titles for the topics? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me, uh, I'll get the actual, because we do, I think we do pitch this actually. So definitely should have had this prepped. So I'm sorry for interrupting. The reason why I ask is because often people make this mistake. They say, I'm good at sales. So I will just talk about sales and I will pitch the topic of sales to, to the podcasters. But the thing is that one of the, best feedback we receive from podcasters is that we always provide tons of context around the topic that we are pitching. So if you're really detailed about the topic that you're pitching, and maybe you're tweaking the topic specifically for the podcast that you're reaching out to, it will help a lot. Yeah. Because one of the downsides is that podcasters know that you're reaching out to other podcasts, 
and they don't like to be pitched the topic and they don't want to cover the same topic that has been covered multiple times on different podcasts, right? They always want to find that unique twist. Yeah. So it's okay that you have like three topics and we'll get into the titles, but uh, try to think about how can I tweak each topic to make it more specific to the podcast I'm reaching out to. And you can take that episode that you're mentioning in in that initial part of the email and tie it back to that episode, back to the relevant episode from the podcast. And just find that connective issue there, uh, tissue there. Yeah, yeah, I totally get it. Because as a podcast host, I get loads of inbound as well. One way we found to get around this <laughs> is getting around not having to send us like a personalized one for every outreach. And I know that's best practice. It probably is the way to go, but I'm looking to optimize this a little bit is we'll send a LinkedIn message saying, I heard X on your episode on your podcast. Are you open to another guest? Winky smiley face question mark. If yes, I have an interesting proposal. What's the best email address? And then we just send a personalized one to that person because, and so we both have to do less personalization because we're only sending a personalized one to people that reply to that connection message on LinkedIn. How's that? We talk to quite a lot of podcasters and usually they say email is a preferred way of that initial contact. Got it. Okay. Because the first, uh, well, first of all, LinkedIn inbox, it's a mess, right? Like it's, it's difficult to really, you know, filter things out and search there. And if they're podcast hosts, they probably receive a lot of messages there. So what worked better for us is to send an email first and then maybe follow up on LinkedIn. But again, from some podcasters, we heard, I find it quite intrusive if you follow up on LinkedIn. So email really works the best. And the thing is that most podcasters, they have the systems built around email. So it's easier to forward the email to a producer than a LinkedIn message. So it's more user-friendly, I would say, to send it via email and send a compelling page via email. Makes sense. But it's, it's smart that you're thinking about like pre-qualifying podcast hosts who might be interested about uh, who might be interested in learning about like other uh, guests very diplomatic answer so i have some specific when we do like get that response and then reach out by email there's five different topics that we would typically choose the one that's most relevant to the show i'll quickly run through them so one is how we grew fame to one million ar in two years two and a half years bootstrapped how we grew bcast so that's for like if it's an agency podcast Next is like how we grew Bcast to 5k MRR in 2.5 years bootstrap. That's if it's like a SaaS focused one. Next is like how B2B marketing is shifting and how everything that used to work no longer does. Then the next one is about podcasting. So how any business can start a profitable podcast. And then the final one is how we run a 100% remote team with over 30 team members. So that's if it's like an ops focused show. But mainly we're just focusing on B2B marketing or marketing shows. And so we'd probably talk about that B2B marketing angle. Right. Do you propose all of these topics in that email? Of course, like in the... No, it depends. We cut out the ones that are definitely not relevant. Like So like general rule of thumb is that you are pitching more than one topic, right? Like are we talking about three topics on average? Yeah, like two to three. Yeah. This is like the best practice that you would find like if you would be searching how to, how to book myself on podcasts, right? It'll be always like propose multiple topics. And the issue is that since podcasts are receiving like so many guest pitches, way more then at the time when these guides and when these tutorials were written, there's like more friction happening when they're going through these emails, if you include a lot of information there. So I would suggest picking just one topic that is most relevant for that podcast that you are reaching out to. 
We are actually playing with the idea at Speak on Podcast that we will be creating specific topic for each podcast we are reaching out to. That will have yeah. some point, there's some talking points, and then there will be specific angle for each podcast we are reaching out to. Because again, you want to remove the friction because they podcasters they don't really need your pitch, right? They can reach out to pretty much anyone and get them booked on podcast. So if you want to at least get a reply, you need to make it as simple as possible for them to say yes. So if you give them two to three topics to choose from, they need to choose from something. They need to stop and think. They need to burn calories to pick the best topic for their show. And I would also like to like to reflect on what you said, because from what you said about that initial email, you include a lot of information there. You say that you are uh, you'll be running some ads for $50 to promote the episode, everything that you will do. That says that you will that this email will be quite long, right? I would just make it about one key message and keep the call to action simple, which is really, do you think your audience would be interested in this? Or are you open to learning more? And then if they say yes, then you will start sharing these things. If they don't reply, then you can take all of these information that you've mentioned, maybe a different topic that will resonate or that ad budget and use it in the follow-up sequence and always make the follow-up email about one thing, same as that initial email. And it will help a lot. Like, because you're not giving a lot of options and you're not giving them so many paragraphs to go through and then say, and then start thinking if you would be the right fit, if this is a good idea. So removing the friction. So it's easy to say yes. Yeah. Nice. Nice. There's some good wisdom. So I can just trim that down and then put anything extra stuff in the follow-up. Yeah. Makes total sense. One other like hidden benefit of speaking on podcasts, which I don't think most people understand is SEO, Mm -hmm. right? Because every episode you get backlink. Is this something that you use in your like marketing materials? Not really. We don't actively promote it that we would use it on our website copy or in our outbound. Maybe it's just one line item when somebody asks us like what are the benefits. And the thing is that we don't use it because we don't hear it that often from customers who are reaching potential customers who are reaching out to us. Usually it's more broad. It's more like increase brand awareness, generate demand and so on. But yes, SEO definitely is a benefit. It is a hidden benefit for most customers and then comes as a good surprise. But yeah, it can definitely help your organic traffic. Yes, you generate backlink. But the thing is that the backlinks from Apple, I think Spotify as well are, are no follow, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, but you get it from the, ideally the blog post. You get it from a website. Yeah. And yeah, you get it from the official podcast podcast website. So that will help you. But yeah, it is a benefit. <laughs> And how, so then like talking about how you communicate the value of this to your clients, I assume you meet your clients, I don't know, every month. And you're saying in this month, we did like three interviews. How do you show them the value of what they're doing? So it's difficult because you will see the results really like month five, month six, because these episodes, as I mentioned, it will take time before they go live, right? It's not tomorrow. So we communicate the progress in a sense that, of course, like we are booking interviews, you're recording interviews, we are receiving feedback from podcasts. So you're continuously improving. And most of our customers, after two years of refining that ICP, now understand the benefit of appearing on podcasts. So we don't need to sell them over and over again why it's a good idea. They know that it's a good idea to appear on podcasts. I actually asked this question to Chris Walker when he had some... He mentioned in a podcast that reach out to me on LinkedIn, I will answer your question. And I think it was like eight months ago, I asked him, how would you communicate the ROI of appearing on podcasts to customers or to potential customers? And he said that people who are asking about ROI 
are not your ideal customers. People who want to necessarily attribute every podcast interview to some tangible business results, those are not the best customers. Those are not the people that you should be working with. You need to find people who already understand why appearing on podcasts has value for them. So that's what we did. So not sure if I, if I answered your question, but we don't need to resell them on that benefit every month. So would you like purposefully reject a client who is going to buy, but it's like, I want to see it directly at ROI after six months? Yes. <laughs> Got it. Because it's just not going to work out for them. Well, we can get you booked on podcasts and you might just show up and deliver a good interview and something might happen. But our customers who see the best results are actually the ones who are acting on our advice, uh, who, are, who are taking action after the interviews and they're actively building relationships with podcast hosts and so on. Because after all, it is a networking opportunity with the hosts that are usually well-connected and they can connect you with your ideal customers or maybe become customers themselves. So our core deliverable is that we'll get you booked on podcasts. But then all the results that you will get are very dependent on how you work with these opportunities we present to you. Whether it's repurposing on your existing social media to nurture your existing audience or networking with the podcast host or at least preparing better for the podcast interview that you will have your call to action. You will have your podcast funnel in place. You will have something compelling to offer at the end of the episode. And those are a lot of things that go into seeing the ROI in six months after this. And we always try to do the best to guide our customers to do it. But of course, we really can control if they will take action. Now, I want to talk, I want to contest one of your points there. Okay. You mentioned about, like, I totally get it. You have to prep and you have to like add, like leave nothing back, add as much value as you possibly can as a guest. Like totally get that. The question though is about your call to action and this thing that you're calling a podcast funnel, because I'm a little bit hesitant about pitching my stuff when I come on someone else's show. So how do you recommend a guest does this effectively without being like a salesperson? So I think the obvious answer is to pitch only when you're asked to pitch, right? So usually most podcasters at the end of the episode, they will ask you, where should our listeners go? Like where can take this further? Like, And at that point, you should have your answer ready. So instead of just saying, go to our website and the listener won't know what is your website, having your call to action prepared and actually being aware that you need to say the website URL. <laughs> Most people don't do it. Just visit my our website or go to my LinkedIn profile. It's very difficult again to take action on this. So being prepared to provide good call to action would be actually one step. And also how to sell without selling, right? So what I've done throughout this episode multiple times, and I didn't sell, but I mentioned that our customers do this. We help someone do this. So... I'm positioning myself as someone who is actually doing this. So I'm not just sharing some theory fluff. I'm actually saying like what we are doing on a day-to-day basis. And it helps myself position me as an expert. So I would be prepared before every podcast interview. Maybe when it comes to like preparing your stories, preparing some actionable insights that you can provide, maybe case studies that will help you to answer the question that the host is asking. It will help you to position yourself as an expert and increase the chances that someone will reach out to you after the interview. What do you think is the most effective call to action? It depends on what you're selling or what you want to accomplish, right? If your main goal is brand awareness and you don't really want to immediately sell something to someone, because the thing is, if you have like six month sales cycle, downloading a checklist from after listening to podcast interview, I'm not sure if that's the most effective, right? And usually our customers, when they say brand awareness, 
and that's what we care about. We sometimes just end up recommending that, hey, go to go visit our website or connect with me on LinkedIn because that's what they want to accomplish. They want the listener to know about them, about their brand and so on. So as a result of podcasts, even without any call to action, they increase their brand awareness, right? Because there are now 1,000 more people who know about your brand than before. But if you have something more specific and one of our customers actually has a book, physical book that he's selling, not selling, he's actually sending it for free. And his call to action is send this text. I think the word was MarTech to this number. And he was very clear with the number. So you send, send a text to this number and the bot will ask you a couple of questions. And as a result, at the end, you will receive a physical copy of this book into your mailbox. And it worked so well for him, really. like Very smooth. He received so many inbound leads from this. Then he captured that the contact detail of someone who's listening to very relevant podcast. And then he can, of course, work with them because he's very savvy when it comes to marketing automation. Yeah, nice. So I would text the number and then it asked me for my details. And then I guess in the book, the physical book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Very nice. Yeah, and the reason why it works is that most people send three podcast call to actions as it's not as simple as you would click on LinkedIn on a link or in, in Google search results on just it's not as simple as click because you really need to grab your phone, go to your browser and type in the URL uh, that you hear on that that you hear in that podcast episode. And that's a lot of friction because then you will need to maybe fill in the form, then you need to wait for an email and so on. And sending a text it's the most like native form of opt-in that you can do on your phone. That's why it's so simple. So if you're spelling the number, uh, if you're saying the number very very slowly on the podcast, I can literally have my phone in my hand and just typing the number and then type the word and immediately get the results that I want instead of just typing the URL and doing all the actions on the website. Very, very. So yeah, text message funnel or automation is really smart when it comes to podcasting. Very smooth. I want to transition now to how you guys have been marketing yourself because you've been running for like two, three years, I think. We actually celebrated our second year two weeks ago. (laughs) Congrats. Now, obviously, because the service is amazing, you've been getting word of mouth and referrals. But aside from that, what other channels have you invested in and what has worked, what hasn't worked? Feel free to be as transparent as you want to be. Sure. Uh, So yeah, you're right. Mostly word of mouth in in the first year and a half. Some SEO because... Like yourself, we are featured as number one podcast booking agency on multiple websites. So that drove a lot of traffic. We work with some partners as well. But how did you get that? How did you get to be featured number one? We actively build relationships with some key key people in these companies. And we did some webinars together. And then we just continued. We just stayed in touch and it happened. <laughs> they just featured us. Very difficult to plan, but it just comes down to building relationships right with key people. It's definitely something that we want to do more often. But right now we are focusing on something that is easier to control, which is we have basically four main channels that we are using now. So first is LinkedIn, and that's organic and paid. Outbound, then communities, and obviously appearing on podcasts. All right, can we dig into the first three then? Sure. So LinkedIn, organic, he's like your company page, you and Mark like posting, and I'd recommend anyone to go and follow Jakob on LinkedIn because you're consistent. <laughs> Thank you. You're consistent, great content. But I'm interested in LinkedIn paid. Like, what are you doing there? Funny that you ask. We actually launched our campaign yesterday after some preparation. 
but maybe you know there are some creators on LinkedIn that, that I can I can send you after uh, that are very good when it comes to promoting LinkedIn LinkedIn like paid strategies. One of them is Justin Rowe from Impactable, great great marketer. And we are now currently what we are doing is that we are running very simple cold ads, and the goal there is to have the decision makers in the companies we want to reach just raise their hands and say, yes, I'm interested in, in appearing on podcasts. And raise their hand means they click on a website or click on that ad. We don't really need them to book a call right away. And then we have some retargeting layers in the background and after, after multiple touches where we are not yet, but we will be in a month or so. We keep nurturing the decision maker and then eventually, hopefully they will book a call. But I know that this is how... I made a multiple decision in the past. I know that some people around me are buying like this. They're buying from people they're seeing all the time. They're on top of mind. And I cannot think about better way to reach people at scale than through retargeting to really relevant, relevant decision makers that you want to reach. And what's an example of like the CTA on that first ad to like get them to click? Is it to a blog post on your site explaining the benefits of being a guest on a podcast? So it's a, yeah, we prepared a specific landing page for this. And we are now targeting targeting SaaS companies. So you will learn on that landing page benefits about like why SaaS founders should and executives should appear on podcasts and so on. And the thing is that again, it's not that important really like what is on that on the website because we don't necessarily want them to acquire all the information on the website because we know that once they click, we will have enough time to get them the relevant information in the places where they want to be. So they're on social, they're yeah, they're on LinkedIn, they're on Facebook. So we don't need to necessarily drive them away on these platforms, but we will deliver the content where they already are. And if they want to reach out, I mean they know how to reach out, right? We don't really need to go walk them through some very difficult funnel, let them fill in quizzes and so on. If they want to reach out, they will reach out. And it's really on us if we get them the content where they want to be served that content. And we do it consistently over a longer period of time. And once the time is right, they will reach out. So I'm only going to be retargeted if I click there? Yes, currently, yes. Cool. Awesome. Makes sense. Cool. Yeah, I'm interested to see how that goes. So Definitely. The other two we were going to discuss with communities, and then there was one more I forgot. Outbound. Outbound. Yeah, okay. Let's start with Outbound. Well, that's that's quite self-explanatory, right? So we are using mail email. We are doing it. We are approaching it in very similar fashion as we approach our podcast outreach. So low volume, high relevancy, personalization, and it's looking really good so far. We have after just one month running it, we are already signing up customers. Same as for LinkedIn Organic. Already some people some people signed up, and many more deals are in the pipeline. So it works. And I was actually quite surprised that it works so quickly. And the beauty about LinkedIn compared to Outbound is that on LinkedIn, you can do the same thing or same amount of work every day. The longer you do it, the bigger impact it makes. But with Outbound, if you want to increase the impact, you need to increase the input and you need to increase the volume, right? Yeah. So we are balancing both of these things. Cool. So on the outbound, just to clarify then, so it's just like cold email to your target customer right now, SaaS founders. Yes. And then I guess in that first email, you're probably saying something along the lines of, do you want to learn more about how being a guest on a podcast can grow your SaaS? <laughs> probably better than that, basically. Yes. So again, we are not asking for 15 minutes of their time. 
they're going for an easy yes. So would you like to explore more? <laughs> Got it. Okay. And then you'll, if they say yes, then you'll just, I guess, have an email conversation, ideally yes. jump on a call. Yes. Yeah, very nice. And we are everywhere, like very transparent. So if they ask about the pricing, we tell them the pricing. We even have pricing on the website. You know, not so many people do it. But once we put the pricing on the website, yes, the number of calls we have on our calendars right now, it decreased. But the quality of them increased a lot because they, they knew. They, they know that it costs this amount and they were ready to have a conversation about how it actually works. So the sales efficiency increased as well. Very nice. And then communities. Yes. So that's something we're still experimenting with. So I'm active in Peak community and in Dave Gerhard's Exit 5. I'm still like getting used to it. It's different than LinkedIn. LinkedIn is already in my flow. Like I know exactly what are the tasks I need to do during the day. Already had some good conversations with people from these communities. And what I'm finding challenging is keeping track of all these interactions that I had and then, then following up and so on. But it's probably because I didn't pay enough attention to it. And again, like you will need to be, I would need to be way more disciplined with that as I'm with LinkedIn to really get the most benefits out of it. So that's definitely something that I will be focusing on more. But right now I'm really getting that LinkedIn routine. I'm getting used to it. Yeah, very nice. In terms of like, and this is like a slightly different question, in terms of like the future of the business, obviously you guys have just been honing this one specific service honing and improving for two years. Do you guys have plans in the future to like maybe offer different types of PR slash marketing services or like, or have you not decided yet? We had this conversation a couple of times. Definitely, we don't want to, at least right now in June 2022, we don't want to scale horizontally in PR that we would start offering, I don't know, speaking engagements or press releases and so on. But we are more interested in scaling vertically in podcasting but specifically, I think in podcast guesting, because there are just so, there's so many opportunities that we can leverage still. Like, of course, we could start offering podcast production, podcast sponsoring, but those are like completely, completely different businesses. And I think that now, as we are getting more customers from the similar categories, we're starting to see what are the issues that they are having before and after they engage with our company. So I think that we start building up on this knowledge once they finish their six month campaign. We book them on 20 podcasts, podcasts. Now they have tons of podcasts to actually distribute. So how can we help them with that rather than you want to start launch a podcast, right? So it comes down to understanding our customers and then really just asking them what are their plans now and if we can assist them with that and scaling this direction rather than horizontally or too broad in podcasting. We still want to be in podcast guesting. I think there's a huge, huge potential. Yeah, that makes total sense, right? You're like, what is the thing that they need, the problem they have before they want to be a guest on a podcast? And then what are the problem they have after they've done 20 podcasts? Yeah. Because you're right, they have this massive backlog of content that they can leverage. So yeah, this makes total sense. Jakob, thank you for coming on and just being so open with everything you guys are doing. So we covered like feedback on my process. You ripped it apart. We covered how you guys are working on getting customers and then also future of the business. Awesome. Thank you so much. Obviously... Where can people find you? Can I give a CTA? It's not probably not as optimized as you like it, but <laughs> I want anybody to Google, speak on podcasts, and then obviously click on the top organic option, which is going to be these guys. And then if there's, maybe I shouldn't say this, is there anyone bidding on it? Maybe you click on it as well, but then just bounce. <laughs> no, I shouldn't say that. That's bad. <laughs> but speak on podcasts. Jakob, any other CTA? I think you got it. So if you want to go directly 
to our website without Google. It's speakonpodcasts. It's plural, speakonpodcasts.com. And if you want more insights, like what we've discussed here, I think the best place for that is to connect with me on LinkedIn. So just search for my name, Jakub Zajicek, and send me a request. Tell me that you heard me on this podcast. And maybe tell me what you'd like to learn about, and I will include it in my content. Very nice. Very smooth. (laughs) Cheers, man. (laughs) Thank you. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Confessions of a B2B Marketer podcast. I want to thank Jakob for coming on and sharing all of that wisdom about guesting as a podcast, but also about how they're generating demand for their B2B service speak on podcasts. Of course, if you have any questions about the show, know any guests, hit me up on LinkedIn. It's Tom Hunt. Just send me a DM. And if you have any feedback, please go to Apple Podcasts, search for Confessions of a B2B Marketer Podcast. Follow the show, leave a rating and review, and I'll start reading them out in future episodes. So if you do that, ping me on LinkedIn with your website, and I'll make sure I'll give you a little pitch in a future outro. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>